When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here at Guitarnerds, we're big fans of Isotope Software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished, and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their nectar, sweet to EQ, compress, and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX repair suite to deal with pops, clicks, and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try. A vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualising your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at isotope.com. So, Matt, um, I heard about this this doctor who's going around, uh, he's going around amputating people's limbs and replacing them with animal parts. <laughs> if I find him, I'll kill him with my bare hands. Oh, Joe. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Good evening, Mr. Joe. Good evening, Mr. Matt. Welcome, welcome back. You're back from France. You were away for work in France. And you didn't get to go to the Guitar Street in Paris. I it's so disappointing. To the Guitar Street in Paris, which I can never remember its name. Um, I spent three days in France and saw very little of actual France. Um, so, yeah, I, I have nothing exciting to report guitar-wise about France. um although i did go to a bar or so we went for lunch um at it was kind of like this office these offices were like on an industrial estate and they had a restaurant that also had a motorcycle custom shop in it a tattooist a barber (laughs) nice and then a, a a mini venue all within the restaurant and i was just like wow 
and then and everyone that worked there basically had a massive perfectly manicured beard um so did you get your beard manicured at all i, I didn't there? i didn't have time it would have been great to just wheel in on a motorcycle get the beard trimmed couple of new tattoos zoom out with a burger in my mouth um <laughs> but uh, no it didn't it didn't happen that way unfortunately Ah, well, unfortunate. But you're back with us now, which is Indeed. very important. And we do, yeah, i tell you what, Matt, season four is going really well so far. Season We're, four, uh, episode four. Yeah, episode the, the four. The middle of the album. The big, still at the beginning of the album. <laughs> it's very much at the beginning. Yeah. There's something like 40, it works out about 48 episodes a series, something like that, wow. when you take, take out gear of the years and things like that. Because obviously, you know, they take up the last couple of weeks of the year. And we always miss the first week of the year as well. But they're, uh, yeah. Oh, so, 48 right start. joyous episodes with <laughs> me and you talking exactly. absolute guff. Exactly, exactly. Well, actually, next week it's not me and you, is it, Matt? You're, uh, <laughs> no, you're I'm on a holiday. On a, a real <laughs> holiday. I'm going to Norway on a cruise. So I could be no further away from a... Uh, a music shop. Are you going to find any Norwegian? Oh, is it just a, on? You stay on a boat the whole time. I think it's basically we're on a boat for two whole days, and then we dock for three days in three different areas. But one of the places that we go is literally just like the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, I, I doubt it. But if I do find anything, I will let you know. But N- Norway, I don't know anything about of, the Norwegian guitar ex- scene kind of expensive Norway. is it yeah yeah um stayed out of the eu didn't it crazy tax you yeah. don't want to drink alcohol in norway let's put right. it that way right. uh i went last time i went to norway which is in 2019 uh they one bottle of beer at this one place we went to was 27 pounds wow <laughs> uh, i think it's because yeah they then their tax they tax alcohol very heavily over there i see um but yeah no it's a cool place it's a nice place don't know much about the music scene but uh yeah i like norway oh awesome awesome well yes that'd be great next week when you're away it's gonna be me and philip carter from 40 watt podcast because uh, he was so great when we had him on for the gear of the year with Blake this year I thought I'd bring him back he's actually coming back for a couple of episodes over the oh, next month nice. I think as well so the 40 so watt nerds be, sorry the 40 watt nerds the 40 watt nerds indeed so dear listener you have that to look forward to next week but yeah we're uh, we are doing well in the old charts at the moment Matt we're 15th in the in Great Britain in the hobbies category on Apple podcasts who's who's ahead of us do you know? oh, I, I, I don't I'm, I'm just looking at the stats that I get sent this hour placement so in the u.s in hobbies we're 28th which is up three places week on week and in the uk we're we are 15th which is up nine places week on week that that is you know to self-indulge for a a small (laughs) moment that is um, when you think how many podcasts there actually are and how many podcasts i get advertised on other podcasts i listen to i'd say that's pretty damn impressive considering like more popular hobbies include fishing and Pokemon. knitting gardening and, um yeah, yeah i mean considering yeah gardening dungeons well. and dragons dungeons and dragons yeah so for 15th 28th in america i mean there's what 300 people in america how many people <laughs> listen to podcasts there um i'm thoroughly impressed yeah um so yeah wow well thank you very much to everyone who listens and continues to listen and support us it is very much appreciated yeah. But but Canada, you can sod off. We're down fifty two places in Canada. Hundred and seventh 
in the hobbies category over there. God, so. How can they have 106 more hobbies than us? I don't understand. <laughs> They've got uh, moose. <laughs> wow. Wow, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, who yeah, knows? But yes, generalization, so- but uh, damn you, Canada. Yeah, exactly. But yes, yeah, so it's so it's been a it's been a good week for me anyway, Matt. I got a got a new guitar. I got a Daisy Rock, one of their flower guitars. Should we should we explain a little bit about what Daisy Rock is in case anyone doesn't know what Daisy Rock actually is? Yes, go on, Matt. You explain. Tell the people about Daisy Rock, the company. Daisy Rock Girl Guitars is what they put on their website. The 20th anniversary of Daisy Rock. I'm guessing this is recent. I mean, it's a very pixelated image. Um, but Daisy Rock is effectively a brand of electric guitars that are geared towards... How do I... What's the best way to put this? Because early on, they were like very much like 90s girl power, I guess. Like late 90s, early 2000s all girl power. shaped or flower-shaped. Heart-shaped or flower-shaped, They did yeah. some Les Paul-style things, but they were, would be like glitter finishes and stuff like that. So it wasn't, you know, it's it always sounds so accidentally sexist, doesn't it, to say that a flower-shaped guitar is, you know, aimed at girls. Yeah, but that absolutely. was, they. it was, they, they were trying to make them look like kids toys for girls and i think the idea of the company whilst maybe misguided in sort of with a with a modern head on i think the idea was to try and get young women playing guitar young girls playing playing guitar you know was trying to enhance that area it's just a, it's yeah. just a bit of a weird <laughs> yeah i think i think that's the thing isn't it it's you know it it, it was a, it is a fact that you know they as they advertise on their website um you have done 40 NAM shows, 20 years of business, um, yeah. 10,000 magazine interviews, 16 TV interviews, <laughs> three museum inductions, one TED Talk, and 500,000 girl guitarists and bassists. Wow. Um, but yeah, but, I, the- I didn't realise it had been going quite so long, but I think you're right. The, the idea in the mission statement, I think, for them, I couldn't say exactly, has probably always been um, to make more, you know, women play guitars you know yeah. i think that's always the um the thing that's been the gist and whether whether or not making a, a heart-shaped guitar whether or not that's uh, that's slightly patronizing uh by modern standards or not they're very cool guitars you know what wh- whatever your gender or however you identify they are cool looking guitars they're well made i think they're korean builds um lacquered necks which which i'm a big fan of seymour duncan design pickups which are great. Oh, it's just a humbucker in the bridge, so perfect. There's no messing around here. It's just a tone machine. Mm. Um, I don't think you even get tone control thinking about that. Just volume. <laughs> That's what you want. My sister had one, actually, one of the flower-shaped ones in pink when we were growing up. I think I I sold it years and years ago. when She, she never ended up taking guitar, but I think me and my dad got it for a you know, when, when she was very little. And then it, it's, you know, she hasn't used it, so I think I sold it, you know, probably... 15 20 years ago for not a lot of money but now these days they're actually getting sought after and people are looking for them and purchasing them they do like butterfly shaped ones as well hearts and flowers um it's um (laughs) it's one of those things where when i started playing guitar about 20 years ago you go god you'd never play one of those you've got to play a ibanez or whatever Uh (laughs) and then people of a similar generation and age go 
the same people going, yeah, I'm going to buy a Hello Kitty and put an EMG in it yeah. and tune it down to see uh, the same people now. They're going, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a flower-shaped Daisy Rock and put an yeah. EMG on it and tune it down to see. Well, that's why I think they they were going up in value so much. I was, I was seeing them go for like £500 plus. But the, the great thing, actually, with a product like this is you've got an awful lot of mums and, well, and, and dads. You've got an awful lot of parents who have got guitars that maybe they tried out with their kids years ago that didn't take and they've been sitting around gathering dust and they don't know anything about guitar and they bought it from a shop because it was shaped like a butterfly or whatever they don't know what they've got they don't know if it works they don't have an amplifier to find out if it works and so they bung it up for like 150 quid and that's what i was looking for the uh (laughs) (laughs) guitars that were a deal in fact the one that i bought uh the lovely woman selling it um I was, I was read the description from from my partner Emma before I saw the guitar, and in the description she'd said that the um, uh, uh, one of the tuning knobs is missing, and I was like, oh, it's missing a tuner. That's that's annoying because you know difficult to get the exact same one. But I wonder if it's something where I can get a part. I'm sure it's fixable. And I had a look at the picture, and it was it wasn't the tuning. It was the volume control <laughs> it was just missing the button. <laughs> That's what she was calling it—a a, a tuning <laughs> nice. knob. <laughs> so, that, so you know, she was like, "Well, 120 quid because I can't find the tuning control, <laughs> or you know, whatever." So, uh, it, it wasn't actually for me. I was buying it for um, my um, for, for Emma's cousin Zoe's daughter Penelope, who's nine or something, and really wants to take up guitar. She's she's big into. I think she plays something else, so it's it's hopefully not going to be lost on her. She's sure. really excited about it. So, are you sure she doesn't want a true historical as <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see if I can talk him into that. But it's <laughs> about seven grand. He'll be all right. Perfect yeah. beginner. Yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, so I uh, I I basically got that for them because I was able to get it at such a price, and I was like, well, maybe it needs a little work, even if it needs some electric sorted. That's probably going to be fine. As it turns out. A little contact cleaner sorted it all out. It obviously needed a setup. It had been sitting around idle for for years, so it needed a new set of strings. And uh, the the strings threw me at first when I was trying to tune it, and it wasn't working. And I realised that it's a three aside headstock, and they put the strings on the same way on every string. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Does, right. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it tuned the wrong way <laughs> yeah, when he went down. onto the high three, yeah. <laughs> Which got me for a second. I was like, what is happening here? Oh, <laughs> that's what it is. But it's great. I'm going to I'm gonna fix it up for them. Make it, you know, make it into a great little guitar. I think they're really cool. Nice. Well, here's a bit of in- interesting facts for you based on Wikipedia research I've done right now. <laughs> um, so Tish Kiravolo is the owner and founder of Daisy Rock Girl Guitars, that the official brand is Daisy Rock Girl Guitars. Isn't she something to do with Schecter? Yes, I didn't know this. So she developed the design which her daughter drew when she was one and a half years old and took it to her husband, Michael Kiravolo, who was the president of Schecter Guitars. Um, And Schecter had grown under Michael's leadership from its original roots as a small company in the 70s and 80s to a major guitar manufacturer. Um, So they debuted that guitar in November 2000. And then oh, Courtney Love saw the it. the height of girl power. Yeah, she basically, Courtney Love saw it, signed it, approved it, thought it was great. And then they added that guitar into the NAM Music, NAM Museum of Making Music, uh, oh. along with the original drawing that her daughter had done. But it was, they're a subsidiary of KMC Music. I've no oh, who, I, I'd heard in, in who they were. KMC uh, are a distributor in America. But yeah, interestingly, in 2008, Cayman Corporation sold Cayman Music Corporation to Fender for 117 million. Oh. So, but they make Ampeg, Daisy Rock, Hamer, Remo, Randall, and Washburn. Right. But they are also now a subsidiary of Exertis Jam. So, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Exciting stuff. Uh, very exciting, boring business stuff. But yeah, <laughs> Daisy Rock guitars. No, I just. They were the sort of guitar that you always saw in the sort of mid-tier music shop, yeah. along with like... Cubitalk. Court. Yes, yes, <laughs> they did. Yeah, very um, much, very much around that sort of time with those sorts of guitars. But a, but a golden age in some ways of guitar shops. So now I've moved back to my hometown uh, temporarily of uh, Ipswich in Suffolk. There are two music shops remaining. One is uh, Music Room. Uh, no, it's not a music room. Music something. Music right. store. Music. I'm sure it's called Music Room, but it's not the mu- it's not chain the music of music room. room. Right. And that's been there since I started playing guitar um, and still looks very much the same, which is great. <laughs> I like it. They just don't have the Dan. That's where I first saw the Dan Electro food pedals. Remember that quite clearly. And then down the road is Project Rocket Music. Project and Project Rocket, Rocket, Rocket Music. music that's a Rocket name. Music is. A store that effectively has no displays, but everything is piled from floor to ceiling um, of just stuff. And I'm like, you don't see enough of those music shops anymore where it's chaos and you never know what you're going to find. So in there, they had some 1970s Morley Pro Flangers and Phasers. So they're the big old metal foot pedal ones. What, like new old stock? No, I think they're old, but they look pretty new. They probably maybe have been there for some time. Yeah. Um, the most expensive guitar they had was a five-string Music Man bass. Um, <laughs> but they also had like a high-watt Custom 20 in there. They had oh, a yeah. bunch of like 
old pedals. I'm just like, you don't see enough of those shops that just very old school, but you know, you can find a few gems in there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Um, but they're the kind of place that you would find Daisy Rock. Yes, um, indeed. But yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be a great guitar once you've cleaned it up. I really am impressed with the quality. Like I say, like the neck feels great. It's a lovely sort of light glossed lacquer like you would get on the early 2000s American standard Fenders. Um, you know, Duncan Design humbucker in the bridge. You, you can't go wrong with this. Rosewood neck, everything's great. Mm. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna. I, you know, I've I've sorted out the electrics and uh, popped a new set of strings on it. I, I, I've left it sitting for a couple of days, and then I'll set it up really properly. Get it on the bench again, and uh, I, I think it's gonna be great. I'll probably record some stuff with it. But uh, well, uh, we'll absolutely see. should. And then we'll just do, we'll do a tone test between the true oh, historic and yes, the Daisy that's, Rock. That's it. That's what we're getting next week, everyone. A tone test between a <laughs> six grand Gibson and a hundred and twenty pound Daisy Rock. Nice. <laughs> I look forward that's to it. Get. Yeah. A- anyway, actually, on um, uh, on the subject of guitars, which this is a podcast of, um, uh. Me searching for Telecasters. Everyone has been very, very helpful on the group, on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. Dear listeners, if you're not on that, join it. The Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. Lots of discussion. And I've had lots of people suggesting great Telecaster options because before I was like, I need an all-rounder. I got lots of different suggestions for that. I've kind of boiled it down to the fact that what I want is a telly. I don't have a telly in my life at the moment. I really want one. So people have been suggesting options for that. Mark Kanapke, I think I got your name right this time, Mark. I mispronounced it drastically last time. Um, was uh, He'd suggested GNL, which is a great option mm-hmm. for, for getting a good all-rounder because it will be kind of modern in spec, but still getting something essentially designed by Leo Fender. They're great prices as well. GNL are a good company. Uh, Corey MacArthur suggested pinup guitars. You ever checked out pinup guitars, Matt? No, I have not. No, do well, I have pinups on them? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pinup custom. So you know, it's like a it's they do little one off builds, but they're very much it's all that gorgeous aging and lacquer checking, exactly the sort of thing that I'm interested in. And they're all kind of reasonable prices, about two and a half thousand dollars. I know that's very expensive, dear listener. I mean, but it, it's less than the four grand that it costs for a, a custom shop fender these days. Um Eric Scott had suggested Lucky Dog Lucky Dog. Um Lucky Dog. we had uh, Henrik Linda suggested green guitars, a European brand. Um, Tim Natrajan, I have butchered your name there, Tim, uh, was uh, ha- owns a Kaufman and he'd shared his picture of his lovely Kaufman Telecaster in a gorgeous sort of uh, mid-metallic grey um, with a black plate. It was absolutely lovely. And Kaufman, really high on my list. I actually spoke to the Kaufman guys this week. Grey Guitars, John Hutton had suggested Grey Guitars, which I think you, Matt, uh, We talked about that briefly, didn't we? We did. Chris Andrews suggested Gordon Smith, which they actually do, a telly for 999 that you can custom spec yourself. Wow. Um, it's very, very good. The one that really stuck out to me out of the lot, actually, other because I really thought I was I was look, Kaufman was kind of the one. I was really really impressed with um with Kaufman. Uh and then Jason Wharton on the group suggested Oswald 
guitars. Another, I have heard of those. Yeah, another European um, uh, builder, and they do the OT and the OS, so <laughs> Oswald Tilly and Oswald Strat, <laughs> I guess. Original. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the guitars themselves look absolutely lovely and i was looking at a relic aged like you know lacquer checking nitro finished uh butterscotch 52 style telly 1795 in euros it's, that wow. is an incredibly reasonable price I'm trying They're all to very very good they've, they've got in stock right i'm trying to see what they've got in stock right now um. Yeah, I don't, where are these? Are they? Are they? No, I think these are Danish. Might be wrong. I might be. I'll look on their about else. page and find out right now. <laughs> um. But yeah, don't seem like crazy price. Seventeen nine five, eight nine five, um, eighteen nine five. Sorry for a couple of the guitars on their website. Um. Yeah. yeah cool. I mean, it's just so much cool stuff out there. Yeah, um, yeah. From individual, you know, small manufacturers that can basically make what you want. Yeah, yeah. I've, there's a lot of options. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know exactly where I've landed. The price on the Oswalds is absolutely insane. So I, I've thought about those a lot. But then another thing that I keep coming back to is maybe I should be. Maybe I should be just building something because also when it comes to Fender style things it's very easy to pick up a neck a body and then choose your own electrics and choose your own pickups like james's home of tone is fantastic as a as a one-stop shop for getting all the bits and bobs you need to upgrade your guitar that's you know perfect for that so all i really need to find is a body and a neck so i've started looking around also at high quality relic bodies that you can purchase and i can't remember someone I uh, didn't save who it was, but someone <laughs> suggested Golden Era Guitars, which is golden era, one word, dash guitars.co.uk. So there are a little UK ones. See, half of the problem with the Relic Bodies is an awful lot of these shops, as amazing as they are, they are across the pond. They are US-based. And it means that if I'm paying sort of, you know, 380, 400, 450 plus for a body and then paying another 20% to get it across the border over here, all of a sudden <laughs> I've paid. so expensive. It's, it's, yeah, I've basically paid for, a, you know, a Mexican 60s, you know, or a Mexican 50s Ventura Telecaster mm. just getting the body from those shops. So, so I was kind of trying to find it somewhere a bit local, maybe even somewhere I could visit and, you know, meet the people that do it. And that, that, that would be nice as well. And I really like these golden era um, guitar options. Looks, they are expensive in comparison to some others. I often see finished bodies going for around 400 quid, like 38400 These are kind of can be 525 480 475 480 just the, the few that I'm looking at, at their, on their page at the moment. But they're, the the relicking looks fantastic. It's so I just it's so tricky like buying a bitzer. I guess the thing is, is we've always said don't buy a bitzer if you ever think you're going to sell it because it's never yeah. worth any money. No. But you're right, you know, you do get to start from fresh. Um, you know, and you get to pick the body, you get to pick the the relicking. Um, there was a company in the UK that 
was doing a lot of that and not Warmoth, but someone else that was doing like you could buy relic relic bodies and stuff like that. I think no. the bodies to me is the easy part. I think it's finding the neck you want is always yeah. the um is always the hard part. Because I think the neck quality can vary massively. Right. Um but I think bodies tend to be a little bit easier to come by. Um I can't remember the name of the store though. There was a specific place in the UK that was selling just the bodies. Well, maybe let's put put that out to to listeners, sort of UK and EU based. Sorry, everyone else. I just don't want to pay the the import on this one. If I buy a bitsa, if you've got any suggestions, anyone of a of of relic bodies that I can purchase on their own that I can then cobble together myself, that would be fantastic. I do really like the golden era guitars stuff, but alternate suggestions very very welcome. Ideally, telly body shapes, obviously, but you know it would be I, fun um, to just see what's out there. <laughs> I just googled relic guitar UK. Scroll to the bottom. Related searches, Relic Strat, Affordable Relic Guitars, Heavy Relic Guitar, Relic Acoustic. And then it's got some recommended searches in the little bubbles. And we've got Relic Guitar Relic Service near me, Relic Guitar Price, Relic Guitar Parts UK, Relic Guitars are for losers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, people hate them, don't they? It's, it's, still, it's still the biggest bone of contention in this industry. It's is, it's uh, it's bizarre. Guitars. Yeah, I um, it is a weird thing to like. I I mean, it is weird to like a guitar that's pretend aged, but that I don't know. I can't tell you what it is, dear listener. If you if you if it's you're not beyond, a believer, it's beyond pretend age, though, isn't it? I think realistically, like to me pretend aged as it were mm. it's like closet classic or a very very light relic right like when you get like insane relics like i think that's more of that's where it's weird job. do you it's say it's just a paint job you know oh uh, maybe not- oh i see what you're saying i actually it's- like the closet <clears throat> classic is what i like because the the look i like is that lacquer checking mm. um that's the thing i'm not really too fussed about pretend wear in positions that, that I, doesn't yeah. bother me but a, a light a, a nice light lacquer checking and on a telly i love it when it's just a, the finish has gone around that upper lower bow on the hard edge of the body it just looks fantastic but you know it's it, yeah i don't i don't need it to be heavy relict for me no i think to me i've never considered it aging i've just considered it like a finished choice. I know that sounds silly. That's the same thing in some ways, but just I've not thought, oh, this guitar has ever tried to look old. I've just been like, this is the way they finished that guitar. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, also though, I'll just point out, I, I know we've talked about Teddy's three weeks in a row, but we've got to make sure you get one, Joe. <laughs> uh, someone is listing um, a Fender FSR Vintera 50s Telly in uh-huh. shell pink. And that's got the roasted maple neck. And I must say, that is a cracking-looking guitar. Oh, that is a, that's a great-sounding guitar. How much is that going for? £715, Mr. Brenton. Oh, that's very good. Um, I think the – didn't the shell pink Fintera have a black scratch plate, which annoyed me with the pink? A pink should always have a mint guard. It does have a black scratch but I could, plate. I would change that. That's easy enough. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's a good guitar for the money. 
It's definitely uh, that is, that is very good the for the money. I, I tell you what, Matt, one of the other things that I was looking at when I was looking at bodies is G&B guitar and bass in the UK, which I think is G&B for guitar and bass builds. Um, they actually have their thing called True Tone. Uh, I think True Tone Relics, they call them, because they sell bodies and necks and they do uh, build this to order. is what i was thinking of i think but i've been on the oh, website see was it yes they're very good and they've got a ready a couple of ready assembled models which obviously have a little markup but it kind of saves me the work and there's a true tone i've got popped a little link there in our in our uh in our document matt but the true tone aged telecaster in butterscotch blonde essentially a 52 telly looks very nice lovely subtle lacquer checking 52 spec neck you know big baseball bat of a thing looks very good 1200 pounds i could have it here tomorrow yeah you could yes yeah, i think it gets to that point joe where you're like you just need to play a couple <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah um good. and you'll just play one and you'll go that's great and you'll be like that's the one and then job done that's yes. going to be the tricky thing i think it's just you're going to be swamped in a world of choice oh, i know i know i need to make a decision and just get a telly because i'm really disliking not having a telly now the longer it goes on the worse it's getting for me so i need to commit and make a decision <laughs> anyway let's move on from telecasters because otherwise i'm just going to buy something now because i'll get so annoyed with it um matt uh, your your Micronaut is on the way, I believe. Yes. So after last week, we spoke to Charles, lovely chap, um, from Silk Tone. Um, and we were just like, look, we really dig this product. We'd really like to give it a go. And we've struck a deal. Um, and uh, he's sending the, by what I can gather, one of the only uh, UK Transformer <laughs> <laughs> versions of the amp over to us yes. um for us to kind of plumb into the guitar nerds studio gear of the year right there matt gear of the year i mean that is my solid contender for gear of the year right now i yeah i'm just i'm super impressed with the idea of the way that you can run this direct into a daw this can be your preamp this can be what you run your guitars into before you're going into ableton or logic and you're running into plugins this can be your you know everything as it were um and i like the idea of running into a pedal board and using it as a fuzz pedal loads of great options with it just you know a really nice unique take on the kind of small amp lunchbox thing Um, and it looks fantastic it does look very good but it sort of sent me on a spiraling path of like other similar amps like you know we talked about the Greer <laughs> yeah and like how many you know how many other small amps are there out there for me um but yeah no I'm super excited so hopefully in the next couple of weeks when I come back from holiday that will be knocking on my door and I'm super excited to actually do some demos with it and just play through a couple of things and maybe slightly different to how you've done the demos Joe maybe I'll do a bit of more of a talky two minute roundup talky thing um but i seriously think this is going to be a a contender for me for gear of the year absolutely yes i think it's gonna be hard to top something so interesting unique you know retro custom shop and not you know not the end of the world money wise as well yeah absolutely and um we're gonna have charles from silk tone on the podcast after we've demoed it so um if you're in the facebook group uh pop on there any questions you want to ask an amp builder or you want to ask silk tone and 
you know, obviously it's got the fuzz pedal as well as some other bits. So there's lots to lots to talk about, but we're super keen to kind of get what sort of questions you would ask. Because I think in, before, Jay, when we've done interviews, it's always just sort of been us and yeah. we've sort of been, you know, riffing on it, as it were. Whereas um, I think we've got a chance to, you know, yes, get some valuable nice. input from the group. It would be nice to include you more, dear listeners. So do get involved. Let us know um, any anything you'd like to know. And we'll, we'll, we'll take from there. We'll see how it goes. Mm. Matt, Matt, talk to me about the Chase Bliss Generation Lost Mark II. You, you've put this down as a point of discussion in our document. And I was like, oh, is that a new pedal? And of course it isn't. The Mark II's been around just for a while. Super slow, Joe. You're super yes. slow. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You know, a, what do they say? A bad workman blames his tools, and I always blame my tools. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just sort of like, I don't know what it is. I spent a lot of time with my big pedal board out in the kind of new temporary studio space, and the microcosm is very, very good. Right. It is very, very, very good. But also... I'm not 100% sure it's exactly what I'm almost thinking it's great for messing around in the studio, but on a pedal board, you've got one or two sounds that you want and then that's it. And also, and I'll put this out to listen to anyone who's got one. It sounds very similar a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It does that big ethereal thing. It it does. It's always a variation of that. Yeah. And, you know, I've been playing around with the board quite a lot and I'm like, I still think the H9 is one of the best things ever because of the variations of sounds that you've got in it. Right. But I've really been digging the CXM78. And one thing I really miss, I actually, I've got a little kind of uh, display case uh, that was my dad's and it had some of his stuff in it, which we, we boxed up and I've now put loads of pedals in it. Uh, and I was getting all the, the pedals out for the display case for something nice to look at. And I plugged the mood in and was like, to me, that is just one of the best, still one of the best pedals ever made, uh, in my opinion. I just think it's so easy to use. You, you've you got six controls. It does a bunch of funky sounds. Sometimes it does some weird stuff. Sometimes it does some not-so-weird stuff. The clock control, because it's synced to pitch, you know, you can kind of get these big ambient things out of it. And it kind of does what the microcosm does to an extent in terms of that ambient ethereal sound. And I was like, you know what would probably serve me right would be something like that and then the generation loss. So they call the generation loss Mark II the VHS duplicator and is very much uh, based around replicating VHS tape machines, right. I guess. And, and that kind of failure and saturation of tape um so that is designed by a guy called tom and i totally forget his surname who used to be cooper sounds so cooper cooper sounds did the original generation loss they then did a generation loss in conjunction with chase bliss which was like a limited edition 500 pieces reverb exclusive sold out instantly and then he said oh, i'm closing cooper effects and then a month later or whatever he said i'll oh, I'm actually going to go and work for Chase Bliss. And that's where the Generation Loss Mark II comes out. And that's wildly available from the um, direct Chase Bliss US or EU store. Um, full stereo in and out. So it's the, I think it's the first fully stereo 
chase bliss pedal i think true stereo are in and out um and then you've basically got three different tape modes and then you've got things like failure control and saturate control and that sort of determines how much the tape how many artifacts you've got that sort of thing. yeah i think the thing is there's a lot of i've seen a lot of lo-fi pedals out on the market that effectively do i guess a more like delays that use bb bbd chips and modulation with like low clock speeds to kind of give you this warbly crackly thing right this feels like one that's gone a step further and it's like how do we model a videotape how do we model how tape works in a you know vhs and how do we build that into a into a pedal and I just kind of like the idea of something like this sitting at the end of your chain. You've got some loops or even, you know, putting it in a loop and then moving it around and manipulating it around, you know, your signal path um, in some way. So, you know, just sort of going, is this an option that I should explore? Um, I don't know. What's your your feeling on sort of ambient pedals, Joe? On ambient pedals, I've like I used to love them. I used to want them... You know, whenever I mess around with a guitar pedal board or Helix, I was always filling it with those sorts of pedals where you could just pluck a note and then everything else takes control. I used to love that. But I have to find more like more and more these days, actually what I want to do that, to, to provide that sort of thing, is a really good spring reverb and a really great analog delay. You know, they, those, those, they, yeah. I wonder with these big, expansive, ethereal pedals, if we're, if we can't see the wood through the trees, you know, the, 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 the space echo does that fantastically. A DM2W coupled with a, a like a spring reverb maxed out will give you those things beautifully and they'll sound organic and, Mm. a bit less digital so I, I i'm i'm finding this year i'm really i'm going full down the traditionalist path minimizing everything i use and just wanting a few good quality vintage or vintage inspired things so i'm almost at an anti-ethereal point at the moment but i mm. also think that's because those sort of pedals are so well trodden at the moment it, like every the next thousand pound pedal that will, some company will do in the next couple of months will be another one of these pedals you never hear them on any actual music, but I assume everyone in their bedrooms everywhere is having a great time. I mean, you know, evident by the reverb sales listing, we know that the Microcosm is the best-selling pedal two years yeah. in a row. And I don't deny it's a fantastic pedal. Yeah. Um, and I can really see it like in a studio situation where you're reamping and you've got a track and you've got a keyboard part and you're like, yeah, I'm going to run it through something and, and just give it more. But from a guitar perspective, I must admit it's not got... And I've really tried to spend a lot of time with it, and I do love it. But I'm like, I do, you know, when you have something else on your board for ages, and you go, actually, I just miss what I had on there before. But you're right, I've got the CXM. Granted, the most expensive reverb I think you can buy in pedal form, <laughs> yeah, a, and a you know a deluxe memory man. Granted, the most expensive analog delay that you can buy <laughs> secondhand on the market, but it does 99% of what I want. I think that really the thing that I'm missing is that kind of looper function to be able to hold right. something and then manipulate that. And that's, that is what the microcosm does allow you to do, but mm, that I just find myself nice not turning it on very much. 
right or spending so much time dialing that sound in i'm not using any of the other parts of the pedal board and i kind of want something that you can step in and and out a bit more and I, i do feel that the mood coupled with maybe you know um with the generation loss might be the way forward. I would be really interested to see how you continue with this and where whether you find yourself. I think maybe that is a better idea. A couple of pedals that do something a little bit more simple, uh, simpler. You know that that would yeah. that, that that might be that might be the option. But or yeah. I just uh, find someone who listens to the podcast that works even tired, and they just get me an <laughs> H ninety. Um, yes, so I'm like, I'll oh, just just use that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have a little bit more of a play around. I mean, one thing that I don't have on my board that the H9 does do, but I don't think it does as well as the individual pedal I've got on another board is the um, SY200. I've got right. so many great synth sounds built into that. I can't with expression argue that. Pedal. It's just, you just can't get it. You can't get those polyphonic synth sounds from anything else. No, there, there is nothing that sounds as good as the SY200. It is an absolute game changer if you want those sorts of tones. Completely different conversation point to an ambience pedal, but well, no, you put the you put the um, you know you put you put a touch of reverb on it, and and you know away away you go. But funny enough, I've just opened reverb, and the first thing that comes up is hologram electronics microcosm, uh, and it's up for more money than um, they are new. So that goes to show that probably for the third day in a row, uh, third year in a row, rather, it will probably be one of the top selling pedals on free play. Yeah, almost, almost definitely. Well, we'll see. We shall see. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's about time. That's right. It's the question duck, dear listener. So we should just discuss what our questions are going to be. After this episode, dear listener, we're heading over to the Patreon, the Patreon exclusive episode, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where every week Matt and I discuss a topic or question that's been asked in the guitar nerds facebook group or you can email the question to us at info at guitar nerds.net or if you're a patreon subscriber you can ask us on there excuse me <laughs> i've picked a, a couple of questions uh, for this week phil steer is the first question phil steer says help me fellow nerds i'm a gibson guy mainly let's pause in sgs um but i would love a similar guitar with a trem that's not a floyd or bigsby this is already he's looking for the impossible anyone know of any options out there with that kind of feel plenty of floyd equipped les pauls and esbs lts etc but i can't seem to find a more simple trim on on anything that's that kind of shape um i have one of the brian may models with a wilkinson trim and that's really great and stays in tune well it's just not the sound or look for the stuff I play, which is heavy, classic rock and metal. So that's Phil's question. Right. Really so, tricky. Don't don't answer oh, it now, Matt. This no, is Patreon. Just, I'm just I was just confused, Joe. Right. Does he mean a Gibson guitar that has a trem? Yes. He wants like a strat style. Yeah. He so doesn't he want a, a Floyd or a Bigsby. He basically wants a strat right. style trem on, on a Gibson ish a Gibson E guitar. You know, and annoyingly, I, I do have you know some options for this, but certainly he's you know the he's mentioned the Brian May guitar with trem, which would be would have been one of the obvious ones I'd go for for being a similar look or feel to a Gibson. But he says that's not <laughs> that's not a similar look or feel right, to a Gibson. Well, so uh, we'll, very, um, 
we'll come to that in the podcast then. We shall, we shall. And the other the other question from from Peter Pesce um is 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 almost a, a topic more. It's not a question, it's a topic for us to discuss. On the Facebook group he posted a gorgeous picture of uh his old um Dakota Red Fender Mustang with a lovely looking rosewood neck, really deep rosewood with a lovely grain line through it. Gorgeous aged parchment parchment um perloid parchment yard on there it, it just it looks very very good anyway he said so i got covid at an office party and was unable to take the uh, and so i was able to take the day off from work naturally i spent the day noodling and shopping for new guitars thinking i need an offset jangly thing so he spent the day watching youtube doing research almost pulling the trigger trigger on several jazz masters and then it occurred to him Maybe he has a jangly offset thing. So he dusts off this old guy, meaning the Mustang, formerly his only guitar for over 30 years and only recently knocked aside for new shiny things. Welcome back, old friend. Lesson to everyone. Go back and check on your old friends. They probably still have a lot to offer. So we'll uh, we'll maybe talk a bit about, about that sort of, you nice. know. Old old guitars that we forget about, and and the importance of of remembering the things that are already in your catalogue. Um, but yes, or just keep buying new stuff. That is the obvious alternative. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that that's the that makes more sense to me. Certainly, I, I wouldn't want to do anything uh, anything other than that. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's now time for the news. Okay, this week on the news, Matt Knight. I totally. I normally ask you before the episode if there was something that you wanted to talk about, especially. I assume the the way huge is your choice. Yeah, way way huge is my cho- choice because I like way huge. I like the way uh, they are huge. No, I like I like the way they look. I like the feel. I like George Tripp's behind them. I think he's a great engineer. I think they've come up with some great stuff, um, and. This new pedal from then, so the Attack Vector is a phaser and envelope, simple four controls, um, speed, range, feedback, sensitivity, and effectively have a phase switch and an envelope switch. Um, so as they say, there are serious levels of funk cooped up in this yellow machine. And it just reminds me way back of the days of the first Pictronics, the fat phaser or the, the phaser they did, where you had that kidney bean phaser and you had an envelope section. Because those two effects go together so well in my opinion which two uh phaser and envelope oh filter. right yes, filter envelope. yes yeah so i think you know i like the fact that they've got both of those in one box um so you can have filter on its own phaser on its own or together as one um and it's as simple as that but i just think it sounds really good i think the idea for me you know I just like those two effects together. I think it saves you having two individual ones, especially usually if you've got some sort of auto wire or envelope controlled filter, a phaser just kind of takes a little bit of the harshness out of it and gives everything a little bit of movement. Um, I think it looks really good. It's just got real 70s vibes. Pair that with a Boss OC2 uh, and yes. you'll be absolutely yes. rocking. And, and that's analog- actually one of my favorite. 
Sorry, Jago. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, an analog Octaver is exactly the, the thing to couple with something like this. Well, my uh, favourite combination of uh, effects on my board at the moment is an OC2, uh, a Moog low-pass filter, and a Phase 90, which is about three times the cost of what this would cost. <laughs> so um, for me, I think this is a real a real winner. I don't know if the envelope and phaser controls are maybe taken from the Artrades. Was that their other, that was their other pedal that came Artrades, out? Maybe, yeah. Um, that came out a few couple of years ago like really two years ago it's something like maybe that. a year it was ago when everyone was naming a pedal after something to do with dune yeah i also can't spell artrades and it said uh arteries and it was like <laughs> mxr arteries and i'm like no my arteries are fine um so that was there yeah, the what they call the analog weirding module so you had volume sensitivity range bright fuzz rate and sub so i think that's probably more like did have a vocal envelope and a phase in it and a fuzz. So I wonder if they've taken a couple of the um, things out of that and, and moved it into, um, I guess in some ways, dare I say, a more usable pedal. Right. Yeah. Um, well, a simpler pedal, a more straight a up A simpler pedal. pedal. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited for this one. I think it's good. I love to see um, what way huge deal. I think the pedals they make are fantastic. 235 um, quid is a is is the premium end of what you pay for modulation type pedals i think i think so um but well built well designed george trips obviously a great name behind the product so you know could be worth a punt if you're after a phaser mm. or an auto wire or if you want to mix the two together yes. so um i can't really think of a huge amount of other things on the market apart from things like the old pictronics but i don't know if they're going to be the right thing right thing for you no, no, okay. Well, it, it, definitely something very cool. Uh, mm. We'll see, we'll see. Let's see. <laughs> the, these sort of pedals are so weird and specific that they're never really going to have much impact on the market because there's not that many people looking for this sort of thing. But I also I think there's just good. so many pedals on the market, full stop. <laughs> you know, it's just new stuff coming out all the time. And I think, you know, you just got to, don't know, it just feels like and now you just got to take the punt on a couple of pedals and go, do I like this or not? Easy enough to sell on somewhere like Reverb. And uh you know, that's the way I kind of that's the way I kind of view it. And I think something like that, I think you know it's gonna sound really good. It's not it's not cheap, but it's not stupidly expensive. And um, you know, could be a fun little pedal to have for a while. I mean, yeah, maybe you could buy a couple of Moore pedals if you weren't sure, but that did a similar thing. But having in one box and I think building the circuitry together does make a bit of a difference yeah a very cool unit well we'll see Indeed. anyway it's uh it's time to spin the wheel we've got to do the topic of the week as well this week decided by sean hughes as he won last week's wheel spin before we get into that let's spin the wheel and find out who's going to get the option next week dear listener if this is the first episode you're listening to in this series the ddo is each week matt and i are going to spin a wheel with all the names of our top here, Patreon backers. One name will be selected each week, and uh, that person will get a lovely gift bag, a Guitar Nerds gift bag, lovely tote bag, and uh, gets to choose a topic for us to discuss in the following week's podcast. Here's us, here's the spinning the wheel jingle whilst I spin the actual wheel, and we get a name. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel. 
it is, dear listener. The wheel has been spun, the name has been selected, and it is, for next week, Derek Rich. Derek Rich. I will be in contact with you, and you get to choose what Matt and I are going to talk about next week. Last week, Sean Hughes chose the topic. Incredibly similar to the to to last week's uh, topic <laughs> that we had. Uh, who who was uh, Chris Franklin had it last week on episode three. So uh, so very similar again about bass. Um, but but here it is. He says a uh, lot. So last week we were just talking about a bass amp for uh, you know um, a bass amp a bass rig set up for Chris Franklin as he was mm. moving on to bass. Sean Hughes slightly different. Here's Sean. Uh, Sean's question. He said, um, "He said actually, I converted from guitar to bass about ten months ago to play in a local classic rock band, and I could use any tips you could give me on setting up for gigs. We've only been practicing once a week, but I haven't played any shows yet with the current lineup. Me specifically, having never played live ever. So, any tips you could give me on setting up uh, on stage would be great. Right now, I'm running into my Helix LT, then out into power the power amp input of an old Ampeg SVT 200T head, then out into a 410 and a 115 cab. I already owned the Helix when I switched to bass, so I figured why not use it? I guess I'd really like to get your opinion on stage setup and what you prefer when playing live. So, Matt, this is kind of a bit of a general one as well. It's talking about setup, like things, how, how to set up for live as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So, effectively, only using the Ampeg for vol- on-stage volume, really, because if you're running into the power amp in, you're bypassing the preamp, aren't you, of yeah. the Ampeg. So, the Which L- is- Helix LT is going to do everything for for you yeah. i'm gonna put this out there um you know so before we move any further sean hughes that is an absolutely batshit crazy rig you have something as good as an svt 200t and you're using a, a goddamn digital helix <laughs> yeah i mean you, you, I, use the svt yeah i mean i was funny enough i know that's not necessarily the question but it just depends i don't know what music he's playing but i, I would say that um really you probably just want to go helix lt straight into the into the pa um oh, but man. but you know well it depends i mean if he's doing something really effects laden yeah. then he's saying is it did he say he's a classic yeah i mean classic rock i'll just go straight into the guitar tu3 <laughs> some sort of drive pedal straight into the SVT no. um, for me. And if you, but if you've got loads of stuff on the uh, on the LT that you want, then ditch the um, ditch the Ampeg in some ways and just just go live straight into a PA. But in oh. terms of setting up, if he's never played live before, I don't know, Joe. You've you've played a lot more gigs than I have. What's what's your general? Um, Routine. Well, okay. Well, first of all, I I think there is a route to getting the best out of both of these setups, and it is using the Ampeg SVT 200T plugged straight into the front end of it and just not using any of the amp sims off of the LT. Then you still have access to the full uh, effects things. And the great thing about an LT, great compressors on there. Um, You know, so some light compression in front of your bass is always going to make a bass sound better. Some really good drives. The fact that any of the drives you can essentially blend in with your clean signal, which tends to be 
you know really advantageous certainly i think things like the the clon clone on the on the helix lt is very good you blend a little bit of that in you know against your svt's warm clean punchy signal you'll get a lovely sort of rock and roll sound there um I mean, I think a four ten and a fifteen is quite quite a lot. I mean, depends what you know, what sort of venues you're playing, I guess. But I'm sure the four ten on its own would be fine. You could save yourself a little work, but but we'll see. You know, everyone likes a stack behind them, and who am I um, to argue against that? Yeah, I just yeah, I, if you want some trouser flapping, I guess as, as it were, yeah. you kind of want to have the ampeg. But I guess yeah, just setting up. I mean, the best thing is if you're going to go and set up live is just practice the setup itself, like practice dialing in the sounds, not only just like in a room with yourself, but making sure the mix is there with a band and just be confident. I think a lot of it for me is just confidence in your gear and confidence. You know what you're doing. So even if you've never played a gig, it's just knowing it's like practicing for an exam. It's like, going there and, and being confident enough to say to the sound guy, whoever, yeah, this is what I'm using. This is how I've plugged in, plug it all in, have your sounds dialed up. I, I think you might panic more if you're, as you say, Joe, in some ways relying on the LT to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm just thinking like, if you're just using it for effects, yeah, turn everything off, have your preset set, set it so you don't go further than that. But yeah, I mean, that is a crazy Crazy bass rig and fair play. You know what? If I was playing more gigs, I'd probably take two amps and a giant pedal board because I've got the stuff and I should use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, for me, it's just about, it's about not just practicing the music, but how you're setting things up, how you're taking it to a gig and, and just having a bit more of that confidence to, to get it all set up. Yeah, that, that's that is a big thing for me. There, there are always things that seem obvious, and I'm almost partially reluctant to talk about them on here because they, they sound almost amateur in the way I say them. But they're things that bother me and 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 stress me out, and I have to get right in order to play live. And Matt, I spoke to you about this before. Like I changed my pedal board recently because I had a lovely pedal board, but it was fitted tight to my pedals, so I couldn't get my cables into the pedal board, yeah. which means carrying something separate for cables. And actually, that that really messed up my getting on and off stage time and bringing things on and being able to do it quickly and being able to pack down and get off quickly as well. It was, it was oddly problematic, even though Mm. that's such a basic thing. So there are little things like this. Um, You might think you have the best plectrum. If you're a pick player, you might think you have the best plectrum in the world. I promise you playing live with a plectrum is a different thing because so many plectrums are gloss. Like so many people use gravity picks and then I'm like, do you use these live? They're, they are gloss. They're a gloss finish. They are going to slip out of your hands <laughs> as soon as you start sweating. It is. There are so many things like that, like plectrums that I see that I'm like, this is clearly for someone who plays at home because the, the only plectrums I've ever been able to keep hold of live are the Ernie Ball Everlast ones. Cause they've got like a powder coat on them. And there are lots of, I'm not claiming that Ernie Board are the only ones that do that, but powder coat plectrums, something that's got some roughness on there, that that it, it matters so much more than the brand or how thick your pick is. Having a plectrum that you're not going to drop, that's actually the most important thing. So I don't know, stuff like that. Cable length, make sure you're, you know, you're using cables that you're comfortable with. And that can go either way, it's too short or too long, especially if you've never played live before. It might not be something you've thought about but the uh i, I don't know what the things are they are they 20 footers is that the the normal one like 18.6 is 18. the 6, that's the um, one yeah 
is the one that we said after that you start to get a bit more of effective cable capacitance. Yeah, that's so that, that's what you need. That's the length you need. Anything shorter than that is going to be too short. Anything longer than that, you're going to get tangled up in. Um, mm. And, you know, curly cables, I'm a big fan of a curly cable. It's very cool, but practice with it because it's going to get in your way. You know, so there are... There are little things like that, and I think there are there are a bucket of you know live tips that you will only find because they will be specific to you. But just work out the things that stress you out and upset you when you're getting on and off stage, and fix them. And I promise you, so many of them will be the opposite of you know what you do when you're playing at home. Mm. Yeah, I think um, yeah, you just got to practice everything else as well as the music. That's the thing. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, well, there we go. So, uh, you know, I guess I, I hope, Sean, that answers your question. Derek Rich will look forward to yours next week. We are coming to the end of this podcast. Once again, our, our show and tales keep getting shoved right at the end of uh, each episode, Matt. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll shoehorn this one in before we head over to the Patreon to answer a couple of questions, talk about a couple of other things. But this week, Matt, um, I've been playing the new Orange effects pedals which came out ah, last year finally. yeah do you mean they're so good do you remember the, like the the huge oversized boxes and i love a pedal that doesn't care about being you know real estate pedalboard real estate friendly this they're, they're unassuming big like huge size massive they're tall and they're big and square and even though they only have a couple of controls on them and probably only a couple of uh, you know, capacitor things in, inside them. It's great. Love it. They released a sustain pedal, which is kind of a compressor. Um, and they released a, a distortion, two co- control distortion with just a le- level and depth. And they released a phaser, just one control. It's a phase 90. It's that sort of thing. They're all very, very good. They're very proper. They're very analog. They're very old school. They're the old orange pedals. They're reissues of that. And they're supposed to have that proper old earthy sound. And even though they're not in the model of having 20 controls on the front of a pedal, you know, they're not designed to be, um, they're not, you know, they're not designed to be all singing and dancing. They're not designed to do everything. They just sound great at what they do. The very simple thing that they do, they sound very good at good at doing. So I made a little song using all three, using the sustain pedal for just a, a few held notes, using a coupling of the sustain and the distortion for the lead part, and using the phaser for picked chords underneath. And I thought they were all great. <laughs>
There you go. I have to say, Joe, that if they had announced and debuted those pedals with that track, <laughs> I think it would be a very different... Uh, I think there'd be some different conversations out there. I don't think there was any bad conversations, but I think a lot of people went... As you said, you know, they're big, they're bulky, they're very vintage, they're very retro, but... The proof is in the sound, and I thought that track sounded really good, Joe. So another 10 out of 10 for me. Very <laughs> impressed. And I thought the phaser sounded great. did have that real kind of um, vintage-like phaser sound to it, which I thought was, you know, it's kind of thick and warm, but it's got a big sweep to it. I thought it was great. I really, I really, really like the great. phaser, but then I really like phase nineties. I will say that, like the, the my only downside with the phaser was, does it have enough identity to separate itself from a phase ninety when it is mm. approximately two hundred pounds more expensive than a phase ninety? Yeah, yeah so it's uh, it, there's a big old price difference between them, but it is very very good. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think sort of stylistically, I'd probably pop it on my board instead of a phase ninety just uh, uh, just because of that. But, no, I uh, I. I think you sold me on the phase, Joe. Thought it sounded great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, wonderful. Well, dear listener, that does bring us to the end of this week's episode of The Guitar Nerds. If you'd like to get in touch with us to ask a question, or for any reason at all, um, if you have a company you think we should be checking out, or even if you are a company or a brand or a luthier or whatever, do reach out. We reply to all our mail, info at guitarnerds.net. DM us on Instagram, ask in the open forum on Facebook group, the Guitar Nerds group. If you're a Patreon supporter, contact us through the Patreon. We're heading over to Patreon to talk about this week's question of the week. Join us there. Visit patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for all the info on how to sign up to support our charming community, which you can do for as little as a dollar a month. Well, thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye. Well, once again, it is that time for me to say thank you so much to all of our top-tier Patreon supporters. Without you, this podcast is not possible. You are my heart's true desire. So thank you very much to Scott Guitars, to Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Barry Grisbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conaway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Kyle Harris, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einzer, Gavin Vanderlinden, Mark Hizau Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Simon Milborn, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and finally, with his leg so broken, so in pieces that if I so much as say his name, it may cause it to jiggle and pain will in- ensue. Moog, rabbit. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.